to ACCA tonight. I'm Caitlin Malcolm, the Public Programs Manager here. And um, this is our public program for How to Feel. This is um, the exhibition that's a commission for David Rosetsky here at ACCA. Um, I'm going to throw over now to the exhibition curator, Charlotte Day, who has um, brought to us over the years some fantastic exhibitions here at ACCA and also elsewhere. And um, she's just about to go overseas to uh, find out what else is lurking out there to bring back to Australia. So please make her welcome. Thanks, Caitlin. Um, does anyone want to come a bit closer or the ones at the back there? If you do, you're most welcome to because we've kind of got our couch intimacy down here. Um, anyway, firstly, I'd like to welcome our speakers tonight. We've got David Rosetsky, the artist, um, preeminent video artist in Australia, been working locally for, I suppose, 15, nearly 20 years, mainly in video, but photography and installation as well. And um, his commission for ACRA is part of a series where we support local artists to make a major work that gets premiered here. And this works how to feel. Lucy Guerin, who is a choreographer and founder and artistic director of Lucy Guerin Inc., which is a contemporary art dance company. Um, we're very pleased to have Lucy because of her relationship to dance. Um, which certainly has the relevance for this work, but also because she and David have worked together in the past. And one of her dancers, Stephanie Lake, who's also a choreographer, has worked with David on this piece. Um, and then Jake Wilson, welcome. And he is a freelance writer and <coughs> film reviewer from The Age. I actually looked at his blog and there were 220 film reviews over the last two years on the blog which I worked out to be about one every three days, which I thought was a pretty good effort. <laughs> and that's probably just the top of the iceberg. Um, and it's good to have Jake here too because certainly film is an influence in David's recent work. So this um, panel is really about opening up David's practice to a wider, wider disciplines of dance and film and being able to, I suppose, reflect on those perspectives to his project. Um, now David, we thought we'd start with him just giving a very brief outline of what he um, wanted to achieve with this work and to just describe it very briefly, just in case anyone hasn't seen it. Um, so I'll hand over to you, David. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> can everyone hear me like this? Okay, um, it's a video work and um, it goes for just under two hours and um, in it, uh, it involves um, six actors um, and, and you see these actors arrive um, at a sort of inner city uh, warehouse space and um, within this space they uh, share stories and um, also participate in sort of exercise routines um, but there are a number of shifts that are, occur sort of in this space and over the course of the day that these actors spend in the space and um, so um, some of these shifts are the exercise routines kind of move into a, a, more, a more sort of a choreographic type of movement or dance um, and the, um, the texts or stories that, the, that they share within this space um, get repeated as the, um, because the, the video sequence um, loops four times. 
and and um, though certain um, sections sort of within that loop uh, um, stay the same and repeat, um, a number of them um, change and, and shift. So, for instance, um, one story might be told by one actor in one loop, whereas in the next loop the same story will be told by um, a different actor or there might be a slightly sort of a, a shift to a sort of a dance sequence or perhaps um, a different story would be told. Yeah. Yeah. So that... Brief outline. So it's a work that you can, I suppose, the most basic viewing of it is about a 20 minute sequence. But then the more you stay with it, um, the more, I suppose, the perspective of one person is then shared with another. Um, Different scenes come into it that weren't first there. So it's the narrative that kind of changes and shifts. Yeah, one, that's right. And yeah. from maybe, you know, a female voice to a younger male speaking the same kind of experience. So it's about something that's individually felt and experienced but then also shared. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. do encourage you, especially if you've had some time with it, but to come back because there's also, um, when you're sitting there, it's really the rhythm of the piece um, it's something kind of that takes over you, I think, and that probably will come out in our discussion, but it's, um, you know, it kind of really washes over you and the longer you stay with it, the more you kind of get from that experience, I think. Hmm. Um, now, Lucy, you were interested in the way that David has collaborated with different choreographers and musicians and um, cinematographers over time. Um, you've got a specific question. <laughs> Yes, well, I, I met David, I think it was 2003, yeah, that's when right. I was making a, a work for the Melbourne Festival and I collaborated with four visual artists uh, and David was one of them. And um, since then, he's invited me to work with him to, to, to uh, contribute choreography to two of his works. One was a portrait of Kate Blanchett uh, and the other was called Think of Yourself as Plural, which was another uh, video work for gallery for a gallery. Mm. Um, and so I've had a little bit of time to get to know, um, I suppose, the way he, he enters a work or approaches a work. And, and one of the things that's, that struck me each time is... Um, there, in, in the, at the outset, there's a, there's a very broad conversation and there's... there's a lot of um, space for a collaborator or a, a choreographer like myself to to have input into the work, um, and and we t- we talk a lot about you know where it might go, and there's a lot of discussion, a lot of trying things out in the studio. And David watches; he watches a lot initially, and um, but then as the process develops, uh, I notice that he starts to. Um, really hone in on certain things and, and, and pick out or um, consolidate a lot of details and he has a very particular eye. And I'm quite curious actually, David, about the sort of, uh, I suppose, the opposing issues here of, mm. of a sort of very broad accepting and letting in of, of a lot of other information but then especially as it gets towards the filming, like it might be like, it might be just the crease in somebody's neck or, 
or something someone's wearing or a particular way that someone's facing. I, I, I really can feel his visual um, sort of eye just really um, click in. And, and I was wondering whether you had any thoughts on that, on, on, mm. that, on that process. Yeah. Um, well, I think in the initial stages that you're sort of talking about with that kind of openness and, and when I sort of... Um, I'm initially sort of uh, looking at the work, sort of develop. I, I sort of want to be as open as possible because I want to sort of, I sort of might have a, a sort of a starting point or a framework or an idea, but then I'm sort of interested to see how um, yourself or any collaborator, collaborator, what they could bring to that and how they can sort of extend my ideas. And so I, I'm sort of not limited by my sort of initial sort of starting point, but it really is sort of opening up the idea to any sort of new possibilities that, you know, we'll, that we can help, that can help um, kind of um, just in the general sort of development of the work. Um, but then when it does come to the, the filming or, um, you know, where it's sort of, yeah, locked into to a sort of an image or something like that, I think it is, it is sort of quite different because um, some sort of the, the details um, can, some specific details can become quite distracting um, when they sort of become the focus on the screen. So yeah. like whether it's some, like someone's sort of neck or, or what they're wearing um, and, that, and that can sort of inhibit just a sort of a, a general, I mean an engagement maybe with the sort of broader ideas or sort of other elements of the scene that are important. Um, and also, um, I think I am actually quite aware that I do have quite a strong uh, sort of visual instinct. Yes. Um, and I am quite aware of that, that I do kind of tend to hone in on certain things um, and want them to be a particular way. It is a very strong instinct that I have. And I'm not sure where it comes from. But, and yeah, so it's interesting to hear you sort of make reference to that. And... Um, and sometimes I think it's a good thing to have that, but also, in a way, I like working with other people mm. and sort of to maybe sort of attempt to break down some of those instincts or, instincts or challenge them. Mm. So in one regard, like, it can just be something like an angle of a camera or, the, or a, um, a, a sort of a compositional sort of formal thing of just making the, the image look a certain way. But, um, mm. yeah. Yeah, because it, it always quite amazes me because it... In, in the process or in the studio, um, it, it feels, I don't know, it feels like it could go anywhere or it could be anything, but, um, but by the end, it's so specifically your work and your work, I mean, I'm sure if I saw it anywhere in the world, any time, I would know that it was yours. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's just really fascinating how from this, it, it doesn't feel at all heavy-handed or, or dominating, but somehow, the process ends up with this highly, highly specialised kind of or um, particular outcome. So that's yeah, it sort of sneaks up on you somehow. Mm. Yeah, I think it sneaks up on me too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like wow, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Jake, you're interested in how David casts. And yeah. yeah. Um, yes, it's all talking about the um, the collaborative process. I guess I'm interested in how you assembled this particular group of people and. You know, did you do an audition process? Did you get them to read scripts or just move around? And what were you looking for? Yeah. Um, I think with this work, 
I, I did want to work with um, a group of actors. I think that was sort of an important starting point, whereas in the past I've worked with sort of um, non-professionals and sort of dancers and, and so on. So with this project, I, I knew that I wanted to work with a, a exclusively a group of actors and um, I knew that the project was going to involve um, choreography and, and movement, so um, it was important that those actors were sort of... Um, able to sort of work with a choreographer and in some way be sort of adept with at, at sort of dance or, or, or movement. So um, I didn't actually audition them. Um, I've never done that, so I'd feel I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> um, so I guess a number of them I had worked with before and also just through sort of asking them if they knew anyone who might be interested in being in the project. Um, and also spending a lot of time sort of researching their kind of like um, bios on their like casting websites and stuff in terms of other projects that they'd done in the past and the skills that they had. Like, for instance, a number of them had worked in physical theatre or musical theatre or had training in dance. So that was quite important that, you know, I sort of researched that. And I guess also... Another thing which was important in assembling this cast was they wanted them to have sort of distinct physical characteristics from one another. Mm. Um, so there was that sense of um, difference between the, the cast members. Um, yeah. Um, given that you know, one thing that the piece seems to be about is, I guess, the, the shifting of identity, yeah. how far did you, do you see the piece as sort of actually a set of portraits of these actors, not as actors but as individuals? Um, yeah, no, I don't see it like that. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, they did... They contributed a lot because part of the sort of development process, I um, interviewed the, um, the, the actors and cast, and so all of the material in the work sort of came from them. It's their personal stories, so it is related to them. But um, I think the process of... Through the process of making um, those stories became sort of separated from them and just became a series of um, texts mm -hmm. that, that they then sort of shared um, within the work. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I, I don't think any... I, I don't actually see, see the, um, the subjects or the actors as distinct characters. Mm -hmm. I just see them as when they're reading one text, they're kind of inhabiting that text, but mm -hmm. when they read another, they, they're sort of inhabiting that text. So I don't see it as a series of portraits of those particular people. At all, yeah. Is it unusual for actors to be involved in that way in terms of telling their own stories in the development of a script? Um, Is that something that they would feel comfortable? I mean, did they were definitely very comfortable, comfortable with it, very yeah. comfortable in doing it, and um, very so willing to do it. Something you would have told them at the start, you know, I'm wanting to involve you in this process in this way, or it just yeah. Well, they were. They, I asked them if they were interested in doing the interview and um, they didn't have to do the interview. Like, it wasn't essential that each and every one of them sort of did it. And I don't think all of them did do it. But, um, yeah, that once we sort of did it, they were happy to do it. And I think it is quite normal for actors to bring a lot of themselves to any project that they do. Yeah. yeah. And do you think it makes the way... Um the way they are in the space and they are with those narratives, do you think it it's, makes it different because it's been developed together rather than here's the 
you know, here's the score and this There was definitely there. a strong familiarity with yeah. the scripts and I think in the, develop, through, in the development process, I think there was a, a certain degree of respect for the scripts and the stories because everyone knew that they came from the people within that space, though it wasn't actually um, identified whose story came from who. So, I th but I think there was a certain degree of yeah, respect for the stories and the way that they were treated. And because yeah. you did say that you're interested in the kind of having a more natural feel, this yeah, piece, than definitely. perhaps especially some of your earlier pieces. Yeah, I did want it to have... That contributes to that, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah, they were real stories and, and they, they weren't sort of written as such. I mean, there was a, it, they were pretty much transcribed from those initial interviews. They were sort of shifted a bit um, during the development, but they are actual stories of people's feelings about themselves and so on, yeah. And um, was, that, was that part of the decision to work with actors rather than, you know, before, as you said, you worked with dancers and non-performers. Yeah. Uh, was that, that to just try to get a more natural um, sense of the dialogue? Yeah, it was definitely yeah. part of it, to sort of have yeah. a sort of uh, consistency with the kind of delivery of the, um, the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and a naturalism, I was aiming to achieve that. Yeah, yeah, so I thought that, and and because I hadn't worked just with exclusively with a group of actors before, I thought it'd be. I really wanted to try that, but that definitely mm -hmm. that was a, a a sort of motivation for that decision. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. Well, they were mm. amazing dancers too, though. It was yeah, quite impressive. incredible. Yeah. 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 <coughs> Oh, I, I had another question, yeah. um, and uh, it, it's really, I suppose it's partly a comment, um, is that one of the things that I've, I always really enjoy about um, your work is there's this kind of, um, the situations and, and the conversations and the, the people, they're, they're quite familiar. We all know those situations, we've met those people and uh, we've walked those streets or whatever, but... Um, there's also this sort of ambiguity about it where we don't, we're not exactly sure what's going on. It's this slightly shifting ground where, you know, even though we're in this warehouse and people are doing, they're having conversations but then they're dancing and it's activities that could, are definitely within the realm of possibility mm. but, um, but we can't quite grasp them. And... Um, so I, I'm just wondering if, if, you, if, if that fluctuating sort of open-ended way of viewing it is something deliberate or whether there's a... I'm sure it is, but mm. if there's... Is there some particular way that you, that you would like your viewers to, to experience the work? Yeah, no, I think I agree that I would sort of hope that they sort of view it in that way in a very sort of open-ended kind of shifting sort of way that... Um, um, yeah, that the viewers aren't sort of trying to sort of understand exactly sort of what's going on or sort of make sense of it in any kind of um, way, sort of like more like a traditional sort of narrative film, just that that, that the kind of um, the the kind of tone shifts and I mean that was something that I intentionally wanted to try with this work was that shift from a sort of a realism or a sort of a, a, an actual scenario which could could happen like these people sort of turning up to the studio to do an exercise class but then it sort of shifts and becomes something more sort of abstract um, 
sort of a bit sort of slightly beyond the realm of possibility. You know, that they yeah, then sort of perform this sort of perfectly choreographed dance yeah, movement right. and also maybe then also address the camera at times as well. Um, so I guess it, w um, it is, yeah, intentional that it moves into these different sort of spaces from the sort of more everyday or um, real scenario that we might sort of understand from our everyday life into something which is more sort of imaginary or theatrical or stylized. And so, yeah, so I hope that the audience just kind of go go with the flow and kind of enjoy it rather than trying to work it, out. Work it all yeah. out, yeah. Mm. And, and also, um, the you, you often work with quite attractive people, good-looking people, um, in these kind of ideal, I don't know, beautiful, almost magazine-like situations, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm another place where I find myself kind of fluctuating is whether, or is there a sort of a a sense of irony towards these people and, and their problems, you know, they're, they're sort of talking with great gravity about, you know, these issues that are concerning them that, you know, in comparison to some bigger world issues might seem quite, you know, insignificant and yes. whether, you know, whether there's, a, there's, a, there's some irony in that or whether it's, it is really just focusing on this on this very um, intimate world, I guess. Um, yeah, I'd say there's it's both. Yeah, yeah, it is sort of focusing on this sort of intimate world because I think that's what I'm quite interested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think to a certain degree there is a sense of irony or there's cer it's certainly conscious that I'm kind of setting up... Um, the sort of counterpoint of the kind of more honest or sort of heartfelt stories with this, with the, with the sort of imagery which is more sort of emphasis on the surface of things, and I think my practice has always kind of presented that counterpoint in in sort of to, str to sort of more obvious or and lesser sort of degrees, and I and I would sort of think that maybe this one there is a little bit more sort of emphasis on the sort of surface or the kind of idealized lifestyle than in sort of earlier works and right. that perhaps the the kind of relationship between the text and the image is meshing a little bit more or at different times um, but I, but I think that sort of um, decision to sort of to play that counterpoint of the the text of the sort of honesty of the text with the kind of more stylized sort of imagery works in a way to create a sort of sense of distance between the work and the and the audience um, and also and, and perhaps yeah it's sort of distance I think at times it sort of distances um, the audience from the work and I think that's quite sort of intentional so that at times you're sort of empathizing with the stories and you're sort of in it or, or, or you're kind of enjoying the dance or something like that and you're kind of in it but then at other times you're kind of more aware of that there's a sort of artifice because of the type of sort of imagery or the, the group of people that it does sort of um, reflect this kind of unreal sort of yeah. stylized lifestyle. Mm. To me there seemed to be a, a sort of irony in a very sort of literal way in that these people are constantly trying to define themselves or making these apparent efforts to say I'm such and such a sort of person mm. and so forth and yet 
you know, as you said, it's never clear whether these texts or even the, the gestures they're making really belong to them or yeah. know, where they originate. And so in a sense, those, those efforts are, are constantly failing or at least sort of falling away. Is that a sort of reading that you would support? Um, that their efforts are sort of futile? Their efforts are sort of, you know, doomed to a kind of failure because they're, they're constantly making these statements about who they are and yet, as I say, the... Um, the gestures or the, the statements don't entirely belong to them. They seem to kind of f uh, float free of any particular person. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I'd sort of agree with that, that in a way it's sort of, I mean, it's kind of um, drawing attention to the idea of, or the, the kind of, um, the subject of looking at the self and what that is and what's that made up, what that's made up of and that kind of search for that, but at the same time it's sort of saying that that is, is shifting and un it's unobtainable to sort of pinpoint what that sort of, Self is so. I guess yeah, you could call that an irony. Yeah. And it's that self-discovery is kind of ongoing. It's not like that you can find that one sense of yourself and that that won't shift. I mean, I think that's mm. been in quite a few of your works, mm. even mm. where you've had people of quite different ages having quite similar experiences or responses to things. So that ego or that kind of that inner self is something that's open to the same vulnerabilities throughout life, perhaps, or something. Mm. Can I ask, when um, you sort of shift a monologue or an exchange from one person to another, was that all your choices, or was there a certain amount of actual randomness involved, sort of arbitrary um, things? Right. Yeah, yeah, both. Because um, part of the sort of development process was we had the series of texts and we did try them out with um, sort of all of the cast trying out the the, um, the sort of monologues and, and sort of dialogues in different ways. And so some of those sort of decisions were made th through sort of watching them and deciding, okay, Nicole's going to say this one here or, you know, Miles is going to do this one there. But then there, there's also texts that are shared in, like stories are shared where um, I think... Uh, there's, a, there's a duet and, and, and there's a group against the wall and they um, are telling a story. And in that instance, um, it was just decided or that the um, four people against the wall were going to tell that story and it was quite random as to who said which, which line. Um, so it's a bit, yeah, a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. The role of dance in itself within your pieces, so maybe yeah. it's like, is this the third piece that's actually had dance sequences? Or oh, there's four, been a few. Four, maybe four? Mm. I mean, did that, your initial collaboration with Lucy was on a project of hers, plus mm. Team Park, but did that, was that the start for you of wanting to incorporate dance, or had you? No, the first time was actually, I was in that same year though, in 2003, um, I was in that new 03 show. Um, at, here at ACCA, and um, that was the first time that I incorporated choreography or dance into a work. And um, I guess I just I guess I wanted to bring a sort of a, a sort of shift into my work because I was sort of aware that I'd, I had a tendency to have a sort of a, a very similar sort of texture or tone in my work, and I, and, I, and I knew that I wanted to sort of break that in some way. And I think also a lot of my work was about people's sort of inability to connect with one another. And um, and I saw I saw this Francois Ozon film, um, Water Drops on Burning Rocks, I think it's called. And, and in that, the cast all of a sudden just do this sort of synchronised choreographed dance. And so that kind of inspired me to um, 
incorporate or try and do a similar thing with this work that I had in New 03, which was called Untouchable. So that was the first time that I sort of used dance and I guess was as a way to sort of bring um, the different subjects or characters together in a sort of a moment of, of connection or something, but also I think it also worked in a way of connecting the audience with the work in, in a new way for me as well. Mm. Yeah, and um, also really love and sort of respond to dance, so um, I kind of enjoy working with it as well, so, yeah. yeah. It, it also, um, there's, there's, there's a connection to, I think, what, what was the film that, the film that we, we worked with on, Think of Yourself as... Oh, yeah, the Antonioni film, yeah. La Nota. La Nota, that's yeah. right. Um, but, but that idea that, you know, you can be talking to someone... Uh, in a cabaret situation or a cabaret performance and there's a performer sort of there doing all this highly kind of attention-seeking behaviour but you, 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 you don't necessarily... It's, it's, it's that thing, and I've noticed it as a performer, that, that you, know, you can be on stage and it's, it's almost like you're not human or something or you're not, you're not there or, mm. or people, people could talk about you in a very different way than... Than you know that we would that we would talk to each other and mm. and um, and just that shift in in what in what actually taking on it's almost like taking on that cloak of performance shifts those um, actors into this other this other place which I think mm. works more really like a well. kind of an imaginary realm a bit or abstracted yes it's yes it's all uh, yeah maybe more more abstracted yeah and a more abstracted place which which they're the same people but they're mm. yeah it's like a a different uh it's a different sort of portal of communication mm. a bit spooky now but yeah <laughs> no no i think that idea of <laughs> it's just a different language yeah yeah the sort of language yeah. of dance which yeah i find it interesting as well mm. do, do you think you would ever do some choreography yourself, David? No. <laughs> no? Oh, that's... <laughs> no. Oh, I think you'd be... Do you no. think he Maybe, could? You know, I think he'd be really great, actually. <laughs> do it? Maybe yeah. at a party or something, but not, yeah. um, that not for of, my work. <laughs> that thing of shifting from one realm to another, that happens all the time, obviously, in, in film musicals yeah. of, of all eras. Are yeah, there any, right. any film musicals you were thinking about at all when you, you made this? Musicals. Musicals. Um, no, but I was sort of aware that what I was trying to do was sort of similar to what happens in sort of musicals, so... Um, yeah. yeah, but I wasn't thinking of any any sort of in particular. I did get some out, yeah. and watch like you know a chorus line and um, cabaret and mm. even yeah yeah no I did I just and it was kind of more like oh no I don't think I, I don't want to do that <laughs> I don't want to do that yeah. yeah one thing I thought about don't take this the wrong way was yeah. uh, the Breakfast Club yes they, no um, I. I, I they, Bring it they're on. All bearing their souls, and then they go into this this dance routine near the end for, mm. for no apparent reason. Do they do that in Breakfast Club? Yeah, they club? do. I have to get it in out the again. library. Yeah, it, when in yeah. the library. Yeah, I actually on. watched it recently. It was on <laughs> TV with my daughter. It always is a very strange moment. I think that when people are behaving normally, and then they start dancing and singing, and yeah, I, I've never quite understood it. Mm. Requires a suspension of belief of right. a certain kind. Mm. <laughs> but for you, for David, I think it does. I mean, where some of his earlier works didn't have that part to them, you might 
more think of it as a form of documentary, maybe like a stylized documentary, whereas that the dance seems to really take it into a different realm in mm. a sense where you still relates to real events, to real stories, to real people, but you are it's more you can it's like you can think outside of yourself or something with it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think mm. that the distance and proximity to the yeah. subjects is one of the key things mm. that you keep coming back to and that you're really wanting to work with. Mm. Just I mean how even how we experience being ourselves, you know, how sometimes we think look at ourselves from outside of ourselves and then we're totally mm. just acting in the moment, you know, it's that kind of way of being that you're Quite interested in, mm. yeah. mm. and you were interested in the musical. Yeah, I was interested in um, whether the music came first or whether it came afterwards, basically in terms of shooting. Yeah, um, a little bit of both, mm. um, because some of the music that uh, we used to develop the choreography, I sort of brought into the. Um, we used into in. Well, yeah, we used in the sort of the final score. Mm. So, for instance, there's a traditional song called Deep Blue Sea, which Grizzly Bear recently covered, and uh, that was used in the development of the choreography, and um, I felt it worked very well with that particular dance piece and also the kind of emotional tone of that particular song was something that I wanted to bring to the piece just mm. because of experiencing... Um, watching that choreography with that particular song during the development had quite a strong sort of impact on me in terms of... I had quite a strong emotional response to it. Mm. And so I wanted to try and carry that through to what then the audience would hopefully... Um, how they would respond to this work. So luckily that song was um, a traditional song and so it wasn't subject to copyright and we were able to re-record it, you know, with different um, vocalists and so on. Um, so. A, Apart from that, most of the, the score was kind of um, developed once the film was was shot, but there were certain sort of aspects of um, the music that was used for the development of the choreography that was that, that, that kind of came through um, with the f t into the sort of the final scoring of the uh, yeah of, of the music for the piece, but there, but it did change a lot as well. But I think that one that one song kind of almost set the tone for mm. for the whole of the musical score. Though, it, though there were shifts as well. Yeah. And with the discussions you had with the music that was composed afterwards with yeah. the composer, were you very specific about you, what were you, what you wanted, or did you? Um, I, I just sort of we talked through the um, different scenes, and I, I sort of um, told David Fransky, that's the name of the, the um, composer, you know, how I saw sort of the different scenes and what I kind of wanted from them and, you know, played certain music that I liked. And then and then he would sort of um, spend some time coming up, you know, with his interpretation of that or with his own ideas. So there was a lot of just um, backwards and forwards of, you know, listening to different drafts and mm. responding to them. And, yeah, so I think you'd say that we worked fairly closely together on that, yeah. And yeah. you have worked with David Fransky quite a number of Times yeah, previously yeah, a lot too. of times. So it's another yeah. one of those people that you've chosen to collaborate with. Yeah, we have a, a good sort of working relationship, and um, yeah, and he brings his own ideas and yeah, to it as well. You, t you talked about emotional tonality. Was there a specific, was specific sort of terms you used, or a phrase you used to convey the kind of tonality that you wanted in general? Uh, in regards to the music, yeah. Um, I 
yeah, well, I don't know if this is an emotional term, but there was a kind of sort of earthiness or a kind of acoustic quality to that that song, which I did want the kind of general sort of um, score to have in it in that um, the composer David Fransky is probably best known for using sort of electronic, you know, for electronic music, and I didn't want this piece to have a sort of electronic feel to it. I wanted to have a more sort of acoustic or ambient or sort of, not ambient, sorry, acoustic um, or a kind of a more sort of real sense to it in terms of, you know, hearing the guitar being sort of strummed mm. or, the, you know, rather than synthesised, you know, in terms of, uh, I guess, um, reinforcing a, that kind of naturalism that mm. I was, we talked about that I was sort of looking for with this work, that it wasn't, rather than something too synthetic, um, because there is sort of reference, references to the sort of lifestyle domain or advertising, which is quite synthetic, and um, I think it's kind of a delicate sort of balance in terms of getting people to engage with the stories and these in a real way, and I think maybe that's why I wanted the tonality of the music to have that kind of be a bit more grounded or something. Do you think this is the closest you'll get to a film length <laughs> video, or is it the just an extension? Um, of I think I have a tendency of, of wanting to sort of make things, you know, for the long format. Yeah, to my detriment because it's sort of <laughs> <Pretty> expensive. <high. laughs> um, but. Um, you know, I enjoy a the sort of long format. A film on a format. visual art budget, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I enjoy working in this sort of this duration. But, but I don't think it's always possible. But I think this was a good opportunity to do it in a good venue to do it just because of the sort of the scale of the space and, certainly and stuff. Yeah, the, the way it's projected, like in terms of the installation, it's much larger, really. Than yeah, you've done than previously, I done before, maybe yeah. apart from that, is that Kate Blanchett piece? I don't think it was that quite big. Large, no. Yeah, this is probably one of the largest scale sort of projections. Mm. Mm. I just had one other question, um, and that that is getting back to the process of making the work. Um, uh, just about how how you sort of find the essence of of the piece. Um, is it, because you have collaborators, you have choreographers and, and, and actors contributing text, um, and whether, is there something at the outset that you're searching for, or are you, are you in the room kind of looking, looking for something? Because I, I know as a choreographer, you know, there's a sort of a difference between actually really going in and wanting, you know, trying to make a particular thing happen and then sitting back and kind of, looking at what's unfolding and mm. and getting that to suggest some of the content to you. Yeah, that's definitely the way that... Number um, two. Number two, yeah. yeah. I think I have a kind of a, a kind of a loose framework or a few ideas mm. um, or that I sort of start a project with or sort of start the discussion with, but then I think that's the kind of... the sort of magic of collaborating with people is that it kind of goes beyond those sort of initial ideas and you kind of watch watch the development and just respond to it and kind of follow um, yeah follow your, your sort of responses and also other people's kind of um, responses to what's going on mm -hmm. so I think there's sort of a general sort of framework that you know these people are sort of coming to do exercise that shifts to choreography and they're going to discuss these things but sort of and we're working with these texts, but then how that's kind of treated and what comes out of that, I, I think it's really, that is kind of open and develops over the course of the development, yeah.
and then it's a matter of sort of picking the things and putting them together that kind of are working, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is that how you would work, Lucy, um, or does it A depend? bit of both. Like, yes, I mean, I, I work more like that now that I'm more experienced. When I was a younger choreographer, I used to work out all the movement before I stepped into the studio and was confronted with, you know, half a dozen dancers because I was basically scared. But... <laughs> um, but now I'm much more trusting of, of that something... Of, I come in with an idea generally, a sort of a broad idea, and then um, certain things will emerge throughout the process and, and then you can sort of hang on to those and sort of um, direct them in a, in a, in a particular way. So you, you, it's kind of a feedback system where you, you're contributing things, but you're also getting getting a lot of information back and it can can be just from a particular day or what someone's wearing that day or someone's in a bad mood or you know it can be other things other than just what people What's are doing yeah. yeah or it can be what happens when you stop doing the development yeah. and they're on your lunch yeah. break or something yeah or someone yeah. you know mistakes it's a typical thing mistakes are often a common source of creativity somebody goes wrong and and like oh keep that you know mm. keep that that's because it's the unexpected things because otherwise the work just becomes predictable and and becomes what you will always make unless you can somehow yeah. trick yourself into uh seeing alternatives and and and, and other possibilities mm. um, i wondered if you could say something about the um the scenes at the start and the finish of each sort of iteration of, of the work which show the, the figures travelling to and from the, the warehouse and they said to be I recognised a number of them as number of them as locations in Fitzroy, I think. Yeah. And whether there's something specific to that particular place or just in Melbourne to you there's about th this piece, something that work couldn't be happening elsewhere. I think it could be made elsewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, and it definitely wasn't something that I was thinking about in making it. It was um, and it was, it was quite difficult for us to find the, this warehouse and because I was sort of after something quite sort of specific and it just, it, that is in Fitzroy. Mm -hmm. So I think we were also looking at warehouses in like Footscray and other places and I think if we were, if it did happen that we were filming in Footscray, the to and from probably would have been in Footscray just mm. because it was easier. <laughs> um, so I don't think, I, 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 yeah, it's hmm, a good question. Um. So that said, what what made you feel that you needed those scenes and not just the scenes in the warehouse? I didn't want it just to be this kind of um, interior space that that wasn't situated. I wanted to have a sort of evidence of a of a real world of these people having. I mean, not that they're well, they're people, but um, mm. that, that, that they sort of had another life and they are actually coming to this 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 space. Mm. Um, so that idea of the sort of the the the, out, the inside and the outside, um, yeah, and different sort of levels of um, focus or intimacy as well, I mm. guess, and distance of the audience to these sort of characters as someone you might see in the street, as opposed to the sort of inter intimacy that they share in the in the studio. Mm. And even what you were talking about just before about the kind of conversations that might happen between the other conversations, because. Mm. Um, when she just takes one of the subjects, takes the phone call, and Neil 
generally kind of talks through a particular scenario, yeah. you know, maybe that relates to what they've been doing in the group, but she kind of has the phone call about it outside. Yeah, yeah. And then the other two were different subjects with each other sitting in the cafe too. It's mm. like they're having that half hour out. Yeah. And mm. but yeah, after we've seen several versions of it, we realise it's still not naturalism. We're still in a kind of um, ritual. Yeah, right, yeah. Um. The title, do you find the title controversial, David? <laughs> do I find it controversial? Um, no. Do you? So is it... <laughs> is it... Is it a question, I mean, how to feel as being a kind of statement, a question, an uh, issue? I mean, it has a certain level of ambiguity about it that I think is intentional. Yeah, I guess that's what I wanted, that it was kind of fairly open. It, um, it's not uh, like an instruction manual, this is how to feel. It's kind of, it's like almost like a fragment of a sentence is sort of how I, you know, it could be, I don't know how to feel, um, tell me how to feel. This is how to, you know, I kind of saw it as open and it was kind of just um, identifying the kind of territory of that the work's kind of looking at rather than, I hope, rather than pinning it down. Yeah. That's what I wanted, you know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Because there's, um, there's a certain, in, in many of the conversations, there's this sort of sense by the, uh, the individuals of sort of being distanced from their own feelings and not not kind of feeling genuine somehow like the, the the what the guys are talking about in the cafe and also oh the one um where she's pretending to 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 faint oh yeah and yeah to yeah. get some to get to get that attention yeah, yeah. Mm. one shot that really struck me um which i think is repeated each time was uh, after they take their scarves and coats off that shot of the table just yeah. empty. That seemed very important, but um, I wasn't entirely sure why, but it seemed very sort of important for the rhythm that we had that empty moment. Can you say anything about that? Um, I think I just liked that image because it was sort of, it just suggested what was sort of going on in the piece, that it showed this sort of um, sort of communal activity of a group, you know, because you see, you see their bags and scarves and so forth on the table and, and these different kind of chairs that they're not uniform. It's kind of like a little um, um, motif for the work, I guess, mm. in a way, that it's sort of indicative of a sort of communal kind of discussion or activity, but that um, that is also open as well and, yeah. I wondered if you were thinking about the sort of seasonal thing, that it seemed to be a, a season when they were quite sort of rugged up and the, the warehouse could be a kind of cocoon space that they were um, sort of protected from the elements inside. Um, yeah, I guess it is, it is like that because they're, they're, they're kind of... Um, they're quite sort of vulnerable in that um, warehouse in terms of how they're opening up to one another sort of physically within the dance and in terms of what they're saying. So I guess it is definitely seen as a sort of safe space and when they come to it they are kind of protected with their kind of, you know, parkers and stuff. But once again, it, it, did, it was just that, to be honest, it was more that um, the time of year that we filmed it and it, um, <laughs> just the sort of practicality of that. Um, 
does feel yeah. a, sp a space where they can trust each other within, though, doesn't yeah, it? That's, yeah. I mean, so do you think it's a kind of um, optimistic kind of piece in its kind of portrayal of human nature or how people are with each other? Or I mean, oh, yeah, the definitely. Work yeah, is, definitely. Because I think work is optimistic, or this more than previously, or uh, optimistic. Well, I guess it's sort of optimistic because, I mean, th there is a sort of degree of, um, well, hopefully a sort of honesty in the text because they are real texts of people's real feelings that are sort of being explored and, um, and in the, yeah, so I think it's sort of optimistic in that regard that that's being treated, you know, respectfully and, and stuff. Um, yeah. What strikes me is that although the, the characters sometimes talk about having these you know, negative feelings and they sort of sometimes seem to mime conflict towards each other in some of the, the exercise or dance sequences, they seem very, very supportive of each other by and large. There, there's no sense of actual conflict between them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that, yeah there's, a, there's a mutual respect within that group and there's a sort of a sense of trust or something, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Have you two got any more questions or shall we open it up no, to the audience? Yeah. Let's open it up. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone got any questions? Ah. So the duration one, um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just thinking, yes, yep, yeah, that's right for me. completely applies but I mean I still think yeah, people have short attention spans or are easily distracted generally 
so it is an issue. But mm. I think the way you've made you make the work is specific, does specifically address that in a way mm. that you're kind of wanting to um, move people out of that headspace of. Yeah, I think it is quite an immersive work and it does ask you to spend time with it. I kind of, when I was making it, you know, the sort of, the section which which is kind of like the the sequence of events it repeats is sort of roughly about 20 minutes and I imagine that people would spend that 20 minutes. I didn't really necessarily imagine that people are going to spend um, two hours with the work, I would doubt that many people would do that, you know, like maybe treat it as if you're going to the cinema, but maybe some people have. But how I imagined it was that perhaps people might come a number of times, because um, that's how I sort of often see shows at Acaris. Maybe I'll, I'll sort of come one time and look, concentrate on one work or come another time and concentrate on another work. And I kind of like the idea um, that perhaps even if one person did see one 20-minute section, whereas a friend of theirs saw another 20-minute section and and they then had conflicting kind of perspectives of what happened, that that the work, you know, maybe you don't have to see the whole work, but maybe just that it's... it's that, um, yeah, that it sort of had different... Um, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, it sort of existed in different ways depending on when you went to see it. And I kind of like that idea. So it's not essential to me that... Or I don't, wouldn't imagine that people would spend two hours with it. Uh, but I, I think um, because it sort of is sort of like the duration of a, a, a sort of film that people do go to the cinema and spend nearly two hours and we set it up in such a way uh, with the bean bags and, 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 and the sound it, that, it, it, that it is comfortable so that... Um, you know, that perhaps maybe once these, once you, you know, the show's on for two months, so maybe you'd come once and then go, oh, okay, this is a long work, maybe I'll set aside a Saturday and, and sort of come and see it, you know, and spend longer longer with it. But it wasn't sort of essential that everyone did spend two hours with it and maybe each time you came, came you sort of would get a different perspective on the work. Um, and I've forgotten the second question. Well, it was about groups. Oh, yeah, the groups. Group therapy, yeah. Well, it does reference um, group therapy, though. Once again, it, it's not sort of specifically meant to set up that idea of group therapy. It's, um, I guess, I'm interested in um, people's sort of desire, sort of to c connect with one another and, and sort of share with one another, and um, that's one way that they do that. But also, um, exercise classes is another sort of interesting sort of scenario where people come together, fascinating actually, where people sort of come together and um, Not a voyeur, participate. No, I've actually done them myself. <laughs> and um, what I find sort of fascinating is how they come to them and they kind of ignore one another and they do this sort of weird, embarrassing activity and sweat and kind of... And then you just kind of go and, you know, <laughs> you've sort of done something, like sort of, you've shared something... Mm -hmm quite intimate and, yeah, but you kind of ignore each other. That, that, so that kind of tension between that intimacy and the distance was something that I think I was actually interested in with this work. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting um, seeing that as a more durational, just getting back to the durational thing, which is something I'm quite interested in, is that, um, I mean, you, if you go and see a performance or a film, you, there's quite a lot of pressure on you to stay to the end. I mean, you can walk out, but if you walk out, you, you're really making, making a big statement. But mm. um, to sit with something like that, um, it, I mean, you, that something happens to your attention over time. Like, you know, for the first, I don't know, however long you're sort of watching every 
everything with full attention and then things start to repeat and and you you start to enter a kind of different uh, I think a more internal kind of of way of looking where you're you're also perhaps thinking about other things like your own your own issues as well you might drift off and then come back and and that over time it really it it takes that time to kind of put you into this different relationship with the work and that was one of the I thought real strengths of of having it happen over time. Mm. Yeah, it was interesting actually when making the work, just in your comment about people sort of um, projecting themselves onto it or sort of thinking about their own stories, is that actually happened a lot with the making of the work, like even sort of the editing process or when people were kind of watching it, that sort of just tend to start saying, oh, yes, well, I've, I've got a fantasy about, um, you know, revenge fantasy or something like that. And <laughs> so that was kind of, that was quite interesting as well. And, um, yeah. and I guess you never know, too, if something's going to work and if people are going to be engaged with it and spend time with it. But I guess that was something else that I was trying to do with the shifts of the sort of tempo and mm. stuff that it was hope that it's hopefully engages people to stay with it. Right. Mm. Have we got any other questions or comments? Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I guess, well, with that particular one, we just shot um, those two characters performing that particular story about the revenge fantasy and um, maybe tried to do a number of takes so that you, you could sort of choose um, the performance that was the most sort of believable or naturalistic and shot it from a number of different angles so you had a close-up on the person's face that was speaking and then you also had a shot of the person responding to them and a wide shot so that you could sort of cut cut between the the three so um yeah so we shot it in those sort of three different ways usually particularly well, with that saying there was the wide shot where we, we ran the whole um dialogue through in the wide shot um and then as a close-up on the person who was speaking and then as the person that responds and then um worked out different ways of putting it together with the editor uh who was uh paul uh williams who i've worked with a number of times and um but what's um what we sort of look for firstly is, is probably the performance that is the most sort of naturalistic and that is most engaging and then kind of piece the scene together kind of around that yeah, mm, if that makes sense. And it's meant <laughs> to be quite um, perhaps a bit of a surprise sometimes when the story is repeated by the person that you least expect to tell that story. Yeah, and that's sort and of... And that's part of it, that your um, ideas of gender, stereotypes, you know, of how you look at each person who's yeah. a subject in your piece, you know, that those get kind of played with and Challenged, twisted a bit. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a strong intention with the work. That it, that in some instances a story just sounds wrong coming from that particular person who's saying it. So it's kind of like this is wrong. They they, they shouldn't say that. That doesn't fit their gender or their t 
type or something. So um, that's sort of intentional as well. But it's hard to balance that, that the whole thing doesn't become kind of far, like a farce or a comedy. So it's sort of it's sort of a balance, yeah, sort of balancing that. Yeah. So at times you're believing it, and then at other times it's like, you know, that's not their story. You know, you can. question where were you um, from curiosity but the work resonated in my mind with a dance work mixtape and I'm wondering whether uh, there was any relationship specifically to that work which is a series of spoken um, interviews really and then yep. the dance response a and also the meticulous attention to color saturation is very um, uh, interested in, in the, the color saturation and whether it was a relationship to mixtape yeah um I I loved mixtape. I loved it. I loved it. Um, and I think actually Lucy had also suggested that I work with Stephanie. Like um, so, yeah. I really responded quite strongly to that work and to Stephanie's uh, choreography. So I was really sort of keen to work with her. But what was sort of interesting about mixtape was that. Um, uh, that that also used sort of interviews and people's real stories about relationships, um, which is something that I've always done sort of for, for quite a, a number of years. So I think there's a there is a kind of um, connection or similarity in the sort of the material of mixtape and what I sort of generally do. Um, and I also really um, responded to kind of the emotional tone of mixtape and the choreography. And so I was very um, Excited to work with Stephanie Lake um, on this project, um, yeah. And the color saturation. What specifically were you interested? Yeah. Faded. Yeah, I think it's intentionally quite soft, um, and I wanted quite a sort of softness softness to the colour um, and to the piece sort of overall and I think because of the kind of the nature of the material is quite sort of intimate um, and also the, the palette is quite sort of considered and quite sort of cohesive and sort of complementary and um, and maybe that's sort of reflective of the kind of environment that they're in and yeah and it's also sort of part of um, I think it's sort of an aesthetic that I sort of predisposed to sort of towards. I often sort of have these kind of pastel colours and um, it sort of, it, it just often works out that oh, way. Yeah, that's right. It's the breakfast club. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well a big thank you to Charlotte, David, Lucy and Jake. Um, and I think you've been pretty well briefed, so you must see the show sometime this week before it closes on Sunday. Big thank you to you again. Thank you. Thank you.